Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together Bruce and I have written 35 cookbooks, good grief, including the ultimate ice cream book and vegetarian dinner parties. And on today's episode, we are following up from the last episode, and that is we're doing a Guide to Knives Part yeah, last time we told you all the anatomy of a knife and oh, kitchen etiquette with it, it a knife. It got a little dirty with it that got anatomy. A bit. Um, today we're going to talk about... I don't know how anatomy gets dirty on... Well, anyway. <laughs> you don't know how anatomy gets dirty? <laughs> well, because anatomy sounds so so clinical and, and, and well, anyway, go on. Just go on. So, yes, lovely. We're going to talk about the five different kinds of knives that you should own. Now, yeah. if you listen to the last episode, you know about... Each of these kind of knives can have different anatomy, and they can be made differently. But we're going to talk about just the basic overall shape and size and what makes a kind of knife that kind of knife. So if you're looking to buy new knives, consider these five your options. The first is a paring knife. and this, You should have at least one, if not two. Yeah, this is a small knife with a blade that's about two to four inches long, um, and it's rarely more than half inch wide at the handle. Rarely, yeah. Now, I have to tell you, my mom is a very, very diminutive person. She's also 87, and she uses a paring knife for everything because her hands are so small. She won't even use any of the other knives we're about to talk about. About. I mean, my mother uses a paring knife for everything. And let me just add, we have a good friend who was for many years an orthopedic surgeon, and somehow he thinks that a paring knife is the only knife that you should use in a kitchen. Well, because it's the most, it's it's the one knife in your drawer that mostly resembles a scalpel, and that's what he's used to. So he's been here for dinner. He goes out to carve a chicken, and I said, "Well, go get a knife in the kitchen." He comes out with my smallest paring knife, and he's trying to disjoint a chicken with a paring knife. And I'm like, oh, so a paring, interesting. A paring knife is really important for cutting um, celery, carrots, for cutting, you know, carrot coins, um, thinly slicing celery. Um, I use a paring knife and Bruce doesn't, but I will say that I use a paring knife for cutting up fennel, but I don't use a paring knife for cutting up onions. We'll talk about that in a minute. I like a paring knife actually for peeling potatoes. Yeah. Um, I like to use it to scrape down the edge of carrots if I don't want, if I don't have a vegetable peeler handy. It makes a good tool for doing now, that. You notice he said he uses a paring knife for paring, uh, cutting potatoes, and I have to tell a story. So last time I talked about cooking at this Sonoma, fancy Sonoma cooking school year and years ago and which we were and I was pe- I was peeling potatoes with a vegetable peeler and of course Bruce the chef was using a paring knife to peel, peel potatoes that is the way I was taught in chef school use a paring knife to <laughs> so peel your potatoes I made much fun of him I said oh god the chef look at the chef having to use a paring knife like such a big shot while the rest of us just use vegetable peelers so he grabbed the vegetable peeler out of my hand and you know started to peel a potato slipped and basically degloved his thumb one swipe of the peel (laughs) and off came the skin from my thumb i should mention too that this was a cooking demo for and this tells you how long ago it was maybe 15 20 years ago it was for the wives of price waterhouse executives who were out golfing gag me this just gags me to my soul but anyway it was for the wives of price waterhouse executives who were out golfing and so there was a room of like 50 women all staring at us and all of a sudden the counter was absolutely full of blood it was there was like blood everywhere let me also say a little duct tape did wonders and we went on with the rest (laughs) of our demo duct taped his 
thumb I together. I duct taped that flap of skin right oh back in place. Oh, my God. Mm. Anyway, so a paring knife is, the problem is, of course, what he was using it for, uh, what he was using it for a small potato is right. Um, and If it, you know how, if you've been trained for it. Right. And it's fit for smaller items. It's fit for um, uh, 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 peeling apples. Um, I use a paring knife to cut through a small, like mandarin oranges and that kind of thing when I want to open them. And I also use the tip of a paring knife to get through citrus too, and lemons and stuff like that, but not onions, we'll talk. Okay. I've also seen Mark use a paring knife, and I wish I hadn't seen it, to open packages from Amazon. <laughs> I Okay, I will admit that I stole a crappy knife that Bruce had had for like 5,000 years and was so dull you could literally run it on your tongue. And I stole it and I brought it down to my office, to my desk, and it's what I use to open packages. And it is a knife that I don't think you could ever make that blade sharp again. So... <laughs> Give me a break. Okay, what is the second knife that well, is? Well, the, the second one is sort of an optional knife. I couldn't live without it, but some people might. It's called a boning knife. And it's a... Oh, we're back to the dirty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is a very narrow, a very, not a very tall blade. You know, so no. the handle's like a normal size handle, and then you have the bolster, and you have the heel, and then instantly that bony knife the metal curves up and gives you a very thin little blade that's like a quarter inch sometimes and it's flexible and it allows butchers and people who like to butcher at home who pretend they're butchers to get into a big chunk of meat and carve around bones and it's really fun useful tool to have right the, the narrow blade really allows finesse right isn't that the whole deal here i mean yeah it, it allows finesse in the way that a larger knife does not and because it has the long handle and it's a long blade you know they're usually at least eight inches long and Bruce said it's flexible. And what he means by that, I think, is that the blade is not as heavy. It's not, it doesn't go boing, boing, boing. It doesn't go boing, boing, but it has a little bit of give so right. that you can right. maneuver it and really it's, get feedback in your hand. It's the only way, and Bruce taught me how to do this, it's the only way to get salmon skin off a piece of salmon is with a boning knife because it's thinner. Explain how you do that while we're here. How do you get salmon skin off a filet? Okay, the, um, the way you skin a fish is you have the filet on your counter and the skin side down. And you always start, for me, and I start at the thicker end. If the fish has a thicker or thinner end, start at the thicker end of the filet. Of the filet. And you just want to take the edge of your knife and make a quick little sharp incision between the meat and the skin so they separate a little bit. Now, I like to use a paper towel to grab hold of that little bit of skin um, so that it doesn't slip away from me. It's like a little tongue of skin yep. now sticking out. There. And I put the, the knife on an angle. So it's it's kind of almost at a 30-degree angle off the board. And I just sort of run it between the the skin and the meat. And I kind of pull the skin. I'm, I'm as much pushing the knife as I am pulling the skin backwards. And it just sort of, the meat just magically slides off yeah. the skin if you have the knife at the right angle. Right. That's how I learned to do it from you is that you pull the skin. I pull the skin one direction while I push the knife. Yep. The other always pressing down toward the board without cutting through the skin. And you don't cut through because the knife's also at an angle. You're not straight down. Right. Yeah. So all that's good. And I have to tell you that... Um, 
the other thing that I think, and you don't have to do this, but the other reason to have a bony knife is I think they're the easiest knife to use to core out bell peppers because they're long and you can kind of get down in there and and run around the inside. You know, you cut the top off a bell pepper and then you have this long, thin knife that you can get down in there and run it around the inside mm-hmm. and get all the membrane and seeds out and then dump that in the garbage. It's just, to me, an easier knife to do that. Cool tip. Um, but not necessarily. Okay, so the third knife is really, um, so we have a paring knife, a boning knife, and this is, I don't know what, the quarterback of knives, right? This is yeah. the chef's knife. You can't live without a chef knife. A chef knife is a knife where you will use every day that you're going to chop an onion, you're going to chop some celery, <laughs> right. whatever needs chopping that you're going to use a chef knife. And a chef knife can be as small as a 6-inch blade, as big as a 16-inch blade. Yeah. Um, it can be a very tall blade that's about 2 inches tall. It can be 1 inch tall. It can even be 3 inch So you have to, this is where when we said tall. in the last episode, you need to go and try out knives, especially with the chef knife. You have to feel the weight in your hand. How long a blade are you comfortable with? I have a number of them. I have a 6 inch, an 8 inch, a 10 inch, a 12 inch, and a 16 inch. And okay. I love them all. I, so I want to say that when I, before I got married to a chef, I used a paring knife to cut onions. Now I only use a chef knife to cut onions. And that's because I think a lot of home cooks use pairing knives for tasks like that and really honestly they're just too small the knife yeah. is too small except maybe a tiny tiny little onion but or, or scallions but um, most onions are just too large to hand be handled properly and safely with a paring knife. A chef's knife it allows you to get through to cut it in half. It allows you to cut up parsley it's when i talked a lot in the last episode about i like to rock a knife in through herbs to mince them i'm talking about a chef's knife Yeah, you can't really rock a paring knife and you certainly can't rock a boning knife but you can rock a chef knife no matter what size it is it works that's the way you as mark said you'll mince your parsley you'll mince up anything you could use it for cutting up cubes of pork you could use it for slicing up a pineapple yep. um that is the knife you are going to use and every single day we were at friend's house oh, a couple years ago i'll never forget it and i watched our friend try to cut a pineapple with a paring knife and it was actually frightening <laughs> it really was i mean you're trying to take the skin off a pineapple with a paring knife was a scary sight to behold yeah. because the knife is just too small and the strips are too thin and you're going to cut yourself it's going right. to slip and it's you're going to cut yourself very dangerous to do okay that. so now the fourth knife is like the second knife if the boning knife isn't is a good option and you should consider having it in your toolkit. So is the fourth knife, which is a carving or a slicing knife. I think you probably need a carving uh, carving knife before a boning knife. I think it you definitely want a pairing and a chef. Um, I agree with you that you know you could live without a carving knife. You can live without um, it. But it's a wonderful knife. It's a long blade, usually at least eight inches. It can go up to 10 or 12. And it's not as tall a blade as a chef knife, but no. it's not as small a blade as a paring knife. It's usually about three quarters of an inch, um, and it's very long. And this is a little more flexible. Some yes. of them are more flexible than others. Some of them actually will give you a boing if you bring yeah, them. Bruce has a as a carving knife that actually bends. Yeah. I mean, the blade, the metal is actually so flexible it bends a bit. And that is a particular carving knife made for fish. So like if I'm carving a smoked right. salmon, because of the way it bends, that's particularly good um, for getting very thin slices of fish. Um, I have other ones that are mm, a firmer metal. Those are great for carving a turkey, carving up a chicken. Um, I love a good carving knife. I think I think if you're going to do away with an electric knife in your house, then you do need to get a good carving knife. Um, and it is the way to cut 
turkey, ham, tenderloin, all that stuff needs to be cut up with a carving knife. And it's a good replacement for an electric knife if you're still using that, which in my opinion, and shoot me, email me later, DM me, at me, whatever. In my opinion, most electric knives shred meat. And I- Well, there's a reason for that. And we're gonna talk about that. Don't like it. Yeah, well, we're gonna talk about that now because the fifth knife, and you should have one of these, is a serrated knife. And all an electric knife is, is two serrated blades next to each other going back and forth like a little right. buzzsaw. Right. So that's why you're shredding up your meat because you're basically hitting it with two serrated knives at once. And I love a serrated knife. It is. Of course, the, the primary reason for a serrated knife is to slice bread. But also, you should always remember that a serrated knife can saw can can cut through soft fruits like really ripe plums, like really ripe tomatoes, without damaging the flesh too much. However, it is absolutely the wrong knife for mincing, chopping, and dicing. No, you can't. It doesn't have the right shape. It doesn't have the right length. Right. It's, it won't do it won't any work, of that. No. And also, it just isn't. It's the same thing about an electric knife that I have about a serrated knife in terms of cutting meat. The jagged edge of a serrated knife tears the meat into fibers. Yeah, it doesn't work. Use I, it. It's made for bread, and that's what you should keep using it for. I just find it all unappealing. Okay, so so there's our five knives. Paring, boning, chef, carving, and serrated. Um, what do you think this would run? If you went and got some decent knives, and I don't now listen, I don't mean handcrafted, you know, mm-hmm. made by some old man in Vermont. I mean, if you just went for the standard knives. You could get yourself a decent paring knife for $30. You can get yourself a really good chef knife for about $70. Um, you probably even find one for $20. But if you want to go into the big people leagues, um, you can get yourself a decent knife in the, from $50 to $100. So you're talking an Probably under $300, you can get yourself an amazing knife set. And I think that $300 would be the absolute top of the range for not going to uh, to professional right. and handmade and hand-honed knives and all right. that stuff. You're probably talking right at the top of the range. Okay, so let's talk about caring for knives. And um, I just want to start by saying, and this is our final bit about caring for knives, is that you really need to wash your knives by hand. Do not put them in the dishwasher, even though you're not why knife may say dishwasher safe, don't do it. No, don't do it. Um, you want to, because the dishwasher will dull your blades. Yep. The dishwasher, the detergent can be harsh on the handle. If it's yep. on the drying cycle, it'll dry yep. out the handle. You made a big investment in these knives, and they're going to last you your lifetime. So take care of them. Wash them by hand. And, and yes, go ahead. dry them by hand. There you go. Don't let them drip dry. You want to get the water off them, even though you are probably buying stainless steel knives. You're not buying high-carbon steel knives. If you are buying high-carbon steel knives, well, that's a whole other story. Right. And those get rusty, so you have to make sure those are dry. But even stainless steel, you want to make sure you dry them off. And make sure you store your knives in a knife block or in a specially designed holder in a knife drawer. We actually have a silverware drawer in our house that has been cleared out. There's no silverware in it, and it's got flat knife Mm, carriers, rests, flat knife holders inside of it that were bought, that Bruce bought, and the knives are all in that silverware drawer in those, they they they, they stand up inside of this holder in the drawer. And it's just really important not to toss knives around mm-hmm. or, as I see done, shove knives down in a bowl with wooden spoons and I don't know, whatever. Perfect spatulas. way to, one, 
destroy your knives and two, destroy yeah. your hands when you reach in there to get a wooden spoon and you accidentally grab the knife. Right. This is a fine tool. It and is. this is probably and the a dangerous tool. And a dangerous tool, but it's the finest tool that you probably use in cooking. And so you want to actually take care of it mm. because you want to protect your investment. And what's the other most important way to take care of it? Well, is to sharpen it. Yes. And um, there's two ways that we're going to suggest to sharpen it. So you start. Well, first thing is get yourself a nice electric sharp knife sharpener. There are some really good ones. I have one. I um, don't even remember the brand name. Um, I use it. It has three slots for running the knives through. Um, the first one takes the old edge off. The second slot puts a new edge on. And the third slot hones that edge to a fine razor sharpness. You don't need to use the first slot all the time. I only use that about once a year. And don't forget that the, the thing, before we get to the last bit about sharpening knives, that thing of steel, the long, pointy, round, metal thing that people run knives back and forth over, that's just to align the cutting right. edge and make sure, because cutting edges actually get slightly out of alignment over time. They get little bumps in them. It does not actually sharpen the knife. It'll make the best of the edge you have, but Correct. it won't make a better edge. Correct. That's exactly the way to put it. And just consider every once in a while having your knives professionally sharpened. Um, Good idea. It is It is a really interesting thing. You can find people online who sharpen knives. And believe it or not, some supermarket butchers, if they're not busy, will sharpen a knife, a knife for you. And you should tip. Yes, you should. Happens. And it's also a good reason to make a relationship. Be friendly with your butcher because... Not just your knives, they could do a lot for you. Yeah, Bruce is on a first-name basis with this butcher at a supermarket in rural New England uh, about 20, 25 minutes away from us. And he's on a first-name basis with this guy. And I think he gets better stuff because he just talks to him all the <laughs> <We> time. <do. laughs> and he tells him what he needs, and then the guy goes in the back and cuts it and yada, yada, yada. And it's it's like kind of old-worldy, right? It's I mean, fabulous. It's, it's, Good relationships. <laughs> Good relationships make better food. Okay. So those were our two shows back-to-back -back on Knives. If if you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It really helps. And connect with us, as I say, every single time on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find us under our own names. Bruce is under Bruce A. Weinstein on Instagram, but his own name otherwise. Um, connect with us, and we would love to have you back next time for another episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark. <laughs>